This is not what anybody expected. The Golden State Warriors have completed exactly half of their debut season at the new Chase Center in downtown San Francisco. Sure, the arena looks nice, but the games are pretty ugly. The Dubs have a record of nine wins and 32 losses, and almost no players from last year's team suiting up. It was quite a different story just a year ago, when the super team of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, and Draymond Green were easing their way toward a fifth straight NBA Finals appearance. Those days feel long gone. The honeymoon at Chase was short. In just the second regular season game, this happened. Steph Curry with a lot of contact. Uh-oh. He's holding that left oh, wrist. Oh. We already saw Steph tweak his ankle. He is not moving that left wrist right now. That is the absolute last thing in the world that they need right now. He's up. Up, over, and out. Two-time MVP Steph Curry suffered a broken bone in his left hand, and he's been out since then. And you remember what happened before that. During Game 6 of the 2019 NBA Finals, in the last game at Oracle Arena... Thompson running the floor, and a foul! And Thompson grabs his left knee, now writhing in pain. All-star shooting guard Clay Thompson tore his anterior cruciate ligament. That would cost him a season. And of course, just one game before that. Ibaka trying to stay with Durant, knocks it away, and Durant slipping. Durant goes down, holding his leg. Ibaka goes up, and is fouled down the other end. And Durant grabbing that right leg. Two-time NBA Finals MVP Kevin Durant blew out his Achilles tendon. That was the last time he played in a Warriors uniform. And so, the dynasty ended. This is Bounce. I'm Ben Trefney. Halfway through a rebuilding year seems like a pretty good time to catch up with the podcast. So what have we got? Draymond Green and, well, a work in progress. But hey, the dubs have brand new digs. They'll get healthy again. There's always next year. And someday, Dre, Clay, and Steph will probably see their numbers retired and jerseys raised to the rafters. The first warrior to receive that honor played for the team when they moved to San Francisco from Philadelphia way back in 1962. Hometown hero Tom Mascheri. We're going to take today's episode to hear his story in his own words. Mascheri's had a good ball game. He's had 16. He's hit the jumper well tonight. My name is Tom Mascheri. I am a, or was a, professional basketball player for the Golden State Warriors. At the time that I played, it was, uh, they were called the San Francisco Warriors. He takes the jumper, Mishari, and he hit it. Tom had the good shot, and he took it. I'm a San Francisco guy, but I wasn't born there. I was born in Harbin, Manchuria, 1938, and I arrived here uh, after the Second World War. We had gone through the McCarthy period. We were Russians. Uh, my father had very wisely changed our name from Mishariakov to Mishari and settled in San Francisco. My father was already here at that time and he had uh, set up a household for us. I started playing basketball in elementary school at Grant Elementary on Pacific Avenue. It no longer exists there. And then I went on and uh, the, to, to Lowell and, and I became a high school All-American. 
It was basketball, basketball, basketball. I was heavily recruited by a number of colleges around the country, but I chose St. Mary's College. St. Mary's. We had a couple of really great years. And my sophomore year, we went to the NCAA uh, Elite Eight. By the time I was a senior, I, I understood that I was better than your, you know, average bear. I was, you know, I was, I was going to do something with basketball. Remember, for the world's best basketball, it's NBA. On the West Coast, we didn't know a whole lot about the NBA. The NBA hadn't arrived yet and uh, on the West Coast. And it wasn't until really until my senior year, the end of my senior year, that I thought of the NBA. And it was about that time that the NBA, you know, was beginning to become attractive on two guys on the West Coast. Uh, Bill Russell had matriculated there, and Casey Jones was there. Goes in and Russell blocks it. This is a three-on-two break. Casey Jones goes in and makes it. I was drafted number one by the Philadelphia uh, Warriors. Uh, in 1961, I was in Kansas City playing against the Globies, Globetrotters on a college all-star uh, team. I was in my hotel room and there was a knock on the door and I opened the door and there's this little fat guy uh, introduced himself as uh, Eddie Gottlieb, the owner of the Philadelphia Warriors. <laughs> I ushered him in my room and the first thing he asked me is, how much do you want? So I was kind of delighted, but I was uh, taken aback by uh, that sudden question, and I had no idea what, uh, you know, what to So I told him I didn't know what to do. He said, well, I'll give you this, and I'll give you that. And, and, I, and I won't mention what it is because it's way too embarrassing, you know, considering the salaries today. Um, but I did get a bonus. I got a $2,000 bonus, for, and, and, and I, I bought a brand-new Chevy with that 2000 bucks. Mashari takes the shot, makes it. The Warriors keeping the defense honest. When Mashari or Arizona have the good shot, they're taking it, but mostly they're setting up the big man. Within a three or four weeks of the start of the season, I, I, I took over the starting job and uh, became the starting forward uh, on the other side of Paul Arison. So it was a magnificent year. And then, of course, there was, you know, the highlight of that year was Wilt scoring 100 points. Hey, that's a lot of points if you're playing uh, grammar score kids, isn't it? Wilt was a pretty standoffish kind of guy, and it took me a while to get to be friendly with him. And uh, but then we did uh, finally become friends, and uh, we're friends for the rest of our lives. <laughs> Except I did when I was in Seattle, I did try to punch out Wilt, and th that was a mistake, uh, of course. It, uh, actually, it turned into sort of a comic book scene scenario because I was throwing punches and Wilt was holding me by my, my forehead. <laughs> I was swinging wildly. I, I couldn't reach. You know, I couldn't reach his chin. I was aiming, but I couldn't reach it. So, I mean, if somebody had taken a picture of that, it would have been something like, you know, some kind of a cartoon character. I was in the Army. I went, uh, I did a six-month, I did my six-month tour of duty at the end of that first year because I didn't want to be drafted, so I joined the Army Reserve, and I was in Fort uh, Jackson in South Carolina. I was, I was laying in a bunk, and my sergeant woke me up. It was in the middle of the night. He flashed a flashlight in my face, and he said, your team just got sold 
to San Francisco. <laughs> I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. At first, because I was still, I was half asleep. That's how I learned about it. And, uh, and I've, of course, you know, I couldn't sleep after that because I was thinking, hell, I'm going back to my hometown. But I had no idea that the team was in, that was uh, sellable. I, I thought, you know, I thought the Warriors were pretty settled in, in Philadelphia. So I was thrilled and delighted. The place, San Francisco. The time, late in the third quarter of a game that's been perspiringly close all the way. Tension, tension, tension. I can't say that there was crowds of people waiting for us and, uh, you know, with, with signs, welcome warriors or anything like that. There was nothing like that. Uh, there was excitement, I think, and, and newspapers were really all over it. Uh, Wilt was the main attraction. Big Wilt Chamberlain of San Francisco holds it up. So there were an awful lot of reporters and an awful lot of media surrounding him. I think I probably got the second most attention because I was a local. You know, I was thrilled to be home. San Francisco substitutes Tom Mascheri for Jim King. The Warriors gained four inches on the exchange. I loved it. I thought, you know, hey, these are my people. They watched me play when I was in high school. They watched me play when I was in college. And, I'm, you know, they're going to get to watch me play in in San Francisco, and was, so I was just, I was thrilled. I've always been interested in poetry, but I'm, I'm Russian. Russians just love poetry, it's part of their tradition, and, and I might not have had I been raised entirely as an American, because poetry is not seen as a manly thing to do. I started getting interested in writing poetry in college. And, and and I think I did, I got that, I was interested in that the way a lot of colleges, college students are in their sophomore year. It's sort of the intellectual light bulb goes on and everybody thinks they're, you know, uh, you know, Shakespeare. Then I sort of got back interested in it again, probably about my third or fourth year in the prose. I started writing a few poems here and there and a uh, reporter in the, for the Inquirer, Philadelphia Inquirer, Sandy Padway, got a hold of a couple of those and thought that was very curious that a, that a professional basketball player was writing poetry. So that was my first sort of, uh, uh, he wrote a column written about me writing poetry and remember guys on the team kind of looking at me slightly askance, you know, what was their teammate doing, you know writing poetry. Are we not young with one another? Where else do we belong except on court, our fans applauding from the stands? This score is always tied, and as our overtime begins, we come to celebrate those glory years, how then we measured years by games we played. Our hearts kept faster by the second clock. Our time was of the briefest made. I think finally, I, my interest in poetry became real when I tried to write about my experiences as a professional athlete in my closing two years with the Sonics. I tried to write a book about it. I tried to write the essays, really. And I just had a hell of a time doing it and finally discarded the project and started to write them in, as poems. And they turned into a book. 
And they were not very good poems, but they were a book of poetry. And from then on, I was, I wrote every day of my life and still do. For three straight years on the job, my nose collapsed, my knees ached, and I could never talk myself out of less than two injuries at a time. Father, you would have been proud of me. I labored in the company of large men. It's very difficult to transition from uh, professional sports to, to civilian life. Uh, I found it enormously difficult. I, I could never find something that attracted me uh, that in the same way, you know, the, 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 that had the same kind of intensity, that day-to-day -day kind of intensity that I, I thrived on. I had about four or five years of some real uh, anguish over it and, and, and until I found teaching. Occasionally, I would go down and, and help with the um, arts in the school program in Reno, and I would go into a classroom and teach poetry. And I found I loved being in front of students, and I would particularly love being in front of and working with high school students. I finished up my teaching credential at the University of Nevada and, and uh, got a job at, uh, at Reno High and was there for 26 years. And it you know, presented me with a kind of intensity that I enjoyed uh, and it was as a carryover from the being professional. I, I couldn't imagine sitting behind a desk doing some kind of a bureaucratic job, uh, but teaching worked just fine. On a beautiful 72 degree day in San Francisco, it is opening night for the Warriors at their spectacular new home. A sellout crowd of 18,000 and Chase Center turning out for this preseason game. Now, I love San Francisco. I'm, a, I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm. I really consider myself a San Franciscan, and and, and I'm, I'm part of the city. You know, with, you know, with a capital C. You know, that we, you know, the people in Oakland and other areas look at us as being completely arrogant because we, we refer to San Francisco as the city, you know. But I'm one of those guys say, that, that, that refers to the city as the city and I'm, I'm delighted to see the, the Golden State Warriors going back to the city and they're in their new arena in the city and, you know, we had to suck it up and go to Oakland to watch the Warriors and now they're going to have to suck it up and watch the uh, Warriors in San Francisco and it's only fair. Join you courtside alongside San Francisco and Philadelphia Warriors legend Tom Macheri. Tom, thanks for joining us. We can start in a whole lot of places with your illustrious career. When these new owners came into the uh, league and took over the Warriors, they embraced all of us again. Uh, they certainly embraced me. And from then on, I've felt, I actually felt like I was part of the Warriors and, and, and part of the team again. And I wouldn't have thought of myself that way during those earlier years. And now I guess I'm gonna be a warrior till I, you know, till I meet Wilt in the sky. That was Tom Macheri, whose number was the first retired by what was then the San Francisco Warriors. His story was reported, produced, and engineered by Bo Walsh with help from James Rollins. Yeah.
Bounce is a production of KALW Public Radio. Our theme music was made by Daoud Anthony. Artwork is by David Boyer with Illuminaries. Our team includes Shireen Adel, Tarek Foda, and Gabe Graben. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ben Trefney. Take me through these ones. Which one do you like and which one missed the mark? Most importantly, congratulations, Mrs. Principessa. I love seeing those engagements here. It's always special. But uh, I might have butchered your name. I'm sorry, but I tried. We just had a, we just had a proposal. Yeah. All right, take me through the bobbleheads. Okay. Um, obviously, this is one of my favorites, the three-time champ and the surfboard. Not realistic. I can't surf. I would love to learn, but... I do love the beach, so great vibes, surfer clay. Obviously, Rocco, I mean, this one's great, you know. It's hard to pick, man. They're all so good. They have their little different uh, uniqueness about them, but Rocco's been a loyal dog, so this one's top of the list. I'll put this, like, probably top three.